All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors, our Talmud Torah sponsors, excuse me, for the month of Sivan. Naftali and Chavi Tilson from Eretz Yisrael, thanking Naftali's Chavar Benjamin Wall for introducing him to the Daf. May Hashem bless us all to finish the Daf Yomi cycle together and celebrate with the Siyam in Eretz Yisrael. To thank Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin, may HaKadosh Baruch Hu continue to protect our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. And may all of our children remain safe and complete their year of learning with a deep connection to the land and to Hashem's Torah. Amen. And our week of learning sponsors, Alan and Sherry Steinmetz, in commemoration of the art site of Alan's mother, Chaya Bas Reb Meir, and to Jeff and Debbie Schwartz for a successful procedure and complete recovery in Meretz Hashem. And a day of learning sponsorship today, the Ringo, Ram, and Fine families in commemoration of the yard site of Nochum Ben Shlomo Meir, Zichron Levracha, and the Dafyomi sponsorship to Melanie and Milt Gertner for a Fuashlima for Tzvi Levi Ben Devora. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah. All those who require a refuah should have one together with Kol Luchol Yisrael, and that indeed we should be Zochem Ereshim to make our Siyumim in Eretz Yisrael together. All right, so with that, let us begin. A very exciting. Can I just borrow just for a tissue? I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. All right, so we have an incredible daf ahead of us today. Excuse me. We are picking up today's daf is. Mem Gimel. We left off. We left off the bottom of Mem Beis Amadeis. Anything and everything you ever wanted to know about Para Aduma. We Amir Hashem are learning in this sugi now to continue on some of the interesting intricacies of this particular halacha. We are picking up Mem Beis Amadeis 42b. I believe we left off two, four, six, eight lines up from the bottom. Behold Siosa. So the Pasik says, you shall take out the para. So what do we learn from there? This teaches us that you should not go ahead and take out another para aduma with the one that is currently being shechted. Now, both say, we're going to see, interestingly enough, the Gemara says, let's see. So both say, let's say the para aduma does not want to go out to harazesim. Understandably so, by the way, right? It's not so passionate for the para. Right? So, so, so the para duma doesn't want to go out. So you need to coax it. So how do you coax it? You want to bring another para with it. So I think it's just a para outing, right? The para picnic. So what happens? So we'll say, interestingly enough, you can't take a black cow with it. Now, by the way, black doesn't mean black. Or I mean, black doesn't mean black. But black just means what? Any cow that's not a para aduma, right? So you can't bring another non para aduma cow with it. Why? Ultimately, because we'll say there's a concern. What's the concern? If people see you leading out a para aduma together with a para shchora, people may erroneously think that you are shechting the para shchora. So in order to avoid that, when taking out the para aduma, you can only take out a para aduma. Similarly, again, the aduma, and I will say, I. So why don't you just go ahead and take out two paros adumos? Should that not go ahead, right? You could just do that. To which the Yomar says, interestingly enough, shelo yomru shtayim shachto. So we'll say, this is very interesting. You are not allowed to shecht two paros adumos at once. This goes back to what we learned yesterday, that para aduma cannot have any hesachadas. There cannot be any lapse of awareness. There must be complete, unadulterated concentration. So even the act of, of simultaneously shechting two paros adumos 
would be considered a lapse of concentration regarding the one primary para, which is very interesting. So Rabbi Omer, Rabbi says, I agree with you about the that you can't go ahead and take out either two paros or one para duma, one para shora, but for a different reason. Because the Pasik says you take out osa, the para, and again that's singular, which teaches that I can only take out one para, just the para aduma and nothing else. I, the Tanakamo, Haksiv osa. I, but the Tanakamo, so why doesn't the Tanakamo dash in this same Pasik? To which the Gemara says, Man Tanakama, because who is the Tanakama? Rabbi Shimon, he. Interesting of the Tanakama is Rabbi Shimon. And I both say, What does Rabbi Shimon say? The Darish Taime Dikra. So I say, This Rashi points out over here that this is a fundamental machlokas in Bava Metziah regarding Darshinon Taime Dikra. In general, when looking at a Pasuk, do we analyze the reasoning for the Pasuk? Now, where does this come up? The Torah says, Lo Sachbo Beged Almono. You are not permitted to go in and take as collateral the garment of an amana. Now, what's the concern? The concern is that, remember, again, when you take the amana is poor. And therefore, again, when you take the collateral, let's say you go ahead and you borrow her shawl. So every single morning, the halach is you're going to have to show up at her house to give her back her shawl so she could use it by day. And then you could take it at night. Well, what's the concern? The concern is that if you're showing up at an amana's house each and every day, it could look like something illicit is going on. See, interestingly enough, Rabbi Shimon holds that therefore the Gemara says, I saw what about a rich Amana? What about a rich Amana? Where Halacha Lamai say again, you don't have to give her back the article of clothing every day because she has plenty of money. So Rabbi Shimon says, oh, the prohibition doesn't apply to a rich Amana, right? But the other opinions, Rabbi say it does. Why? Because Rabbi Shimon darsh, darshan's time of the Quran. Rabbi Shimon darshan's the reasoning for the mitzvahs, and ultimately the Tanakhama does not. So the Gemara says, the first opinion mentioned over here is Rabbi Shimon. The second was the Tanakhama. My Ben Ayobah said, what's the Nafkamini between them? Ika Ben top of Mem Gimel, Da'apik Chamor Bahado. So I'll say, interestingly enough, the Nafkamini would be, what happens if in order to get the para to fall, or in order to get the para Duma to go out, you take a Chamor, you take a donkey. So I'll say, now listen to this. So if at the end of the day, Look at Rashi, just a moment, top of Mem Gimel. The Apik Chamor Bahada, the Tanakama Shari, the Leka Shema Yomru, the Rabbi Asr, the Haosaksib. Sirbos is very interesting. So, can you go ahead and get a Para Aduma to come out by bringing a donkey with you? So, it depends. According to the Tanakama, it should be permitted. Why? Because no one's going to think that you're shechting the donkey along with the para. But according to but according to Rabbi Shimon, uh, sorry, according to Reb, sorry, according to the Tanakama, was Rabbi Shimon that should be permitted because no one's going to think you're shechting the kamor together with the para. But according to Rabbi, ultimately it'll be Asr because the pasuk says osa, and osa teaches me that all I could be focused on is the para and nothing else. Okay, incredible. Vishachot osa. So the Torah says. Ultimately, the Pasuk says, you shall shecht it and not anything along with it. Lefanov. So I'll say, what about the word Lefanov? Lerav shalo yasiach daitirimeno. So which is darshaning the parsha para aduma. So what does Lefanov teach me? According to Rav, Lefanov teaches me that I cannot have a lapse of awareness. Mimena. What does mimena mean? L'shmuel sheyehei zar shochit ve'elazar roeh. So Mimena teaches me, according to Shmuel, that a Zar, a non-coin, is permitted to shech the para aduma, and the Lazar, the Kohen, 
ultimately, again, just has to go ahead and... I'm sorry, let me, let me read that again. Lefanov, l'rav shelo yasiach daitu mimeno. So when it says lefanov, according to Rav, that means that the Kohen cannot have a lapse of awareness. L'shmuel, sheheizar shochet ve'elazaroa. According to Shmuel, so lefanov teaches us that what? That a non-Kohen is permitted to go ahead and shech the para aduma, and Elazar just has to oversee the process. V'lakach Elazar ha'koin midama be'etzbao. When the Pasik says that Elazar the Kohen shall take from the blood with his fingers, the Shmuel la dure la Elazar. According to Shmuel, it means that although Shritas Kshera Bizar from the blood application and on must go back to Elazar HaKohen. The Rav have a According to Rav, it's an exclusion after an exclusion. And I will say in general, whenever you have a miut achar miut, right? One exclusion after another exclusion, it only comes to include. What does it come to include? Da'afilu koin hedyot. Even a koin hedyot is permitted to go ahead and do this process of the paraduma. Ay velokach ha-koin eitz erez ve'ezo v'shnivetolas. So the Pasuk says again, the koin shall take the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the red wool. The Shmuel da'afilu b'koin hedyot. According to Shmuel, it comes to teach me that even a koin hedyot is permitted to do this. The Rav itzterich sakadaitcha. According to Rav, it's necessary to teach you as follows. Sakadaitcha, I mean, because I would have thought kevan delav gufa deparanin hu loli boy koin. I would have thought that because this process doesn't have to do with what we call the goof of the para, right? Remember again, these are kind of just the accessories to paraduma. Maybe it doesn't require a coin at all. Kamash molan that it does. Good. The chibes begadav ha When the pasuk says the coin shall launder his clothing or shall immerse his clothing, what does this mean? Biki huno, right? That halacha lamaisa, the coin must wear his big day kuhuna. I will say this is very interesting. Where the gemara is suggesting over here, I need a specific pasuk to teach me that the coin must do the process of the para aduma in his big day kuhuna. So whereas Rashi points out over here, Haikra, if you look at the coin bikihuna, it's almost right across in Rashi, a little bit down. High coin kra yiserahu the la havele lemichtov ela vechibes begadov va'ana yedana da ha da aribe kai. I will say, this is very interesting. Why does the Torah have to go out of its way to say that para duma has to be done with big day kuhuna? This goes back to what we learned yesterday. We will say, what is para aduma? What is para aduma? It's a process, not an avod. So remember again, we normally associate the obligation for big day kuhuna with avoda. But again, this is not avoda. I'm an after I don't need big day kuna. Kamash malan I do. Vitame akoin ata erev. So the pasuk says the coin shall be tame until the evening. Coin bikihuno lidoros. That phrase teaches me, interestingly enough, that the obligation for big day kuna doesn't just apply by the first by the first uh, by the first paraduma, but it applies for all subsequent paros adumos as well. So this makes sense according to the opinion who says that for future generations the paraduma could be done by coin hedyot. According to the opinion who says that for future generations the paraduma is done by coin gadol. 
We'll say if halacha lamaisi you require the coin gadol, then it goes without saying that of course you need big dig. In other words, we'll say the gemara kind of takes it for granted that if you're going to be required to have the coin gadol perform the avod of paraduma, certainly it has to be done with big dig kuhuna. To which the gemara says, you're right. In milsa de asibekav chomer tarach vekasav lakra. Rabbi say it's not uncommon sometimes for even something that could be learned out through a kavachomer, through a limud, to still have a pasuk come to teach it to me. Good. Va'asaf ish tahar as efer hapara v'hiniach. So we'll say the pasuk says that the ish tahar, a person who is ritually pure, will come and collect the ashes of the paraduma v'hiniach, and he will place it. What does this teach me? Ish lahachshir es hazar. The word ish comes to teach you that even a non-Kohen is permitted to go ahead and collect the ashes. Tahar isha. And Tahar comes to tell me that even an Isha is permitted to go ahead and do this. Vihinyach, and he shall place it. This comes to teach me someone who has Das. Right? It has to be someone who has Das is the one who places it. It comes to exclude someone who lacks mental capacity that such a person cannot go ahead and collect and place the ash. So it's not awesome. Let's analyze this. Everyone is fit for Kiddush. Remember again, Kiddush is the process of pouring the water on the ashes and mixing it together. So everyone is fit for Kiddush. Chutz. Mechirish shota the katan, with the exception of the chirish shota the katan, meaning if you have to have capacity. Rabbi Huda machshir bekatan uposal biisho bandrogenous. Rabbi Huda says that a katan is permitted, but an isha and an androgenous is not. My time at the rabbanon. What's the reason of the rabbanon? The chiziv belakhu latame me afar streifas achatos hanach de pasli lecha baasifa pasli lecha bekidush. Anyone who is puzzled to collect the ashes is puzzled to do Kiddush. Again, remember, Kiddush means the process of pouring the water on the ashes and mixing them together. And anyone who is kosher to do Asifa, is fit ultimately to do Kiddush. Rabbi Yehuda will say, if that's the case, let the Pasek say, Velakach. My velakhu, why does it say plural? Dafilu katan de pasti lecha hasam hacha kasher. To tell you that even a katan who was unable to engage in the previous process is permitted to do the kiddush, to which the Gemara says, Isha minale, halmur the din of Isha, venasan velo venasna. Because the Pasuk says venasan male and does not say venasna thereby precluding a woman from engaging in this process. And the Rabbanon will say like this, if the Torah would have said, kind of in one phrase, you will take in your place, I would have thought that it's the same person who has to collect the ashes as the one who places the ashes together with the water. Therefore, Therefore, the Torah of Allah, plural, namely, I don't need the same person to gather the ashes and to ultimately do Kiddush. Because of Rahman of Allah, if the Torah would have just said Allah, plural, Hava Amin, uh, I'm sorry, because of Rahman of Allah, Vinasnu, if it would have said Allah, Vinasnu, they will take and they will place plural for each, Hava Amina, Adeshakli Trey, Vi Tre. 
I might have thought, interesting enough, that you need two people to go ahead and collect the ashes, and then two people to mix the ashes with the water. Therefore, Kasev Rachmana Vilakhu Vinasan. Therefore, the Torah says Vilakhu plural, Vinasan singular, to teach me what? Da'afilu Shakli Trey Viyoy Vichad. That even technically speaking, if it's two people who take, by right, two people who collect the ashes, and one person who goes ahead and mixes the ashes. So I will say the idea being, it does not have to be the same people who do these processes. So you could have one person collecting the ashes, another person going ahead and mixing the ashes with water, and you could even have two people engaging in the process of collecting the ashes as well. Good. So the Pasuk says, he shall take the hyssop and immerse it in water, a pure person. So we'll say, so the, the idea being over here, this is talking about, remember again, the way you sprinkle the waters of the para aduma is, you immerse the hyssop plant, right, in the, in the water mixed with the ashes, and then you sprinkle it upon the person who is tame. So v'lakach ezel v'tavol b'mayim, you'll go ahead and you'll dip the hyssop plant into the water, the water with the ashes of the para aduma, Ishtar, and it must be a person who is Tahar who does this process. So the Gemara says, the Rabbanon, they will say, why does it have to say Ishtar? The Rabbanon, Ish velo Isha. According to the Rabbanon, Ish comes to teaching that only a man can do the sprinkling, a woman cannot. Tahar, why does it have to say Tahar? Lahachshir esakatan. This is interesting. According to the Rabbanon, Tahar comes to teach you that even a katan could do it, a male katan could do it. According to Rabbi Huda, he uses Ish. Ish teaches me that it has to be an adult and not a katan. Tahar isha. Well, so interestingly enough, by the sprinkling itself, it is a machlokas between the Rabbanan and Rabbi Huda. The Rabbanan say a woman cannot do the sprinkling. Rabbi Huda holds that a woman can do the sprinkling. I says the Gemara really does Rabbi Huda hold that a woman can do the sprinkling? After all, the Gemara says Meisar is a kasha. Hakol k'sher in the hazos, everyone is fit to sprinkle the waters of the paraduma. Chutz mitumtum vaadrogenus veisha vekatan. She, I'm sorry, vaadrogenus veisha. So we'll say the Gemara says everyone is fit to go ahead and do the sprinkling of the paraduma, except those who are not tumtum androgynous and isha. In other words, you have to be male. You have to be a man. So therefore, anyone who's not definitively male, halach lemaiseh, cannot do the sprinkling. However, the katan sheyish bodas, but if you have a male katan who has capacity, isha misayaito. A woman could assist the katan in doing the sprinkling. So the Gemara says, umaza, and he does the sprinkling. Now here's what's interesting. Now remember again, see so here, we just got finished saying that Rabbi Huda holds that a woman is permitted to do the sprinkling. The Brisa says a woman is not permitted to do the sprinkling. And the Gemara just notes, velo polig Rabbi Huda. And Rabbi Huda does not argue on the Brisa. So we'll say, why doesn't Rabbi Huda come along and argue on this, given the fact that he just said that a woman is permitted to do the sprinkling? Velo polig Rabbi Huda. Um, Rabbi Abaye says, he, Rabbi Huda doesn't have to say anything. Why not? Kevan de Amar Mar, Mashma Motsi Miyad, Mashma, Umashma Mamela, Pollock. Because I will say, remember again, I will say, I just want to point out, remember why, why are we dashing all of these psukim? If remember again, Abaye said, well, what's the challenge of the Parsha of Para Aduma? 
The challenge is we kind of look for a system in Darshan in the Pesukim, but as you begin to see, this Rabbi said before, Mashma Motsi Miyad Mashma, some of the Pesukim in Para Aduma, ultimately one Pasuk comes to exclude that which was said in the previous Pasuk, Umashma Mamela, and some Pesukim are just taken at face value. So, parashat, so apparently the section of Para Aduma kind of represents one of the most unique sections of the Torah from a Darshanos perspective, from, from an, analyze, an, an analysis perspective, right? Because some of the psukim are just understood straight out, and some of the psukim literally, again, one Pasuk will, will literally come to go ahead and exclude that which was just said in the Pasuk before. So what the Gemara is pointing out is, Rabbi Huda does not actually have to articulate his, his machlokes on the Brisa, because the whole section of Para Aduma itself is one big machlokes. But ultimately, again, Rabbi Huda did not feel the need to weigh in again on the Brisa when all of the Pesukim of Para Aduma are subject to so much machlokes. But again, it is important to understand that Rabbi Huda is of the opinion that a woman has the ability to do the sprinkling of the ashes of the paraduma, pretty incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. We're not finished. The Hiza Hatar Alatame. So let's say the pasuk says that the person who is tahor will go ahead and sprinkle the waters on the person who is tame. Now let's say here's what's interesting. Tahor Michlal Shu Tame. Now let's say so here's what's interesting. When the pasuk says that a person who is tahor will go ahead and sprinkle on a person who is tame. They both say, do you have to say a person who's tar? In other words, they both say, if you don't say anything, what's the presumed state of a person? What's the presumed state of the sprinkler? If you say nothing, it's tar. Right? So don't, don't say, in other words, they both say, in other words, in general, in halacha, the presumed state of a person is tara. Right? So all you have to mention is a person who's tar. So all you have to say is, v'hiza, v'hiza al hatame. He will go ahead and sprinkle on the person who is tame. The fact that you're calling the sprinkler Tahar, this is very, is this, listen, listen to, how, to, how, to how strange this drush is. The fact that you're calling the sprinkler Tahar tells us that what? He must possess some level of Tumah. Right? Michlal Shu Now, what does that mean? What does it teach me? It teaches me that Halacha a person who is a Tvul Yom, well, let's remember again, who's our Tvul Yom? Tvulyom is a person who contracted, usually like a lower level of Tumah. Well, the truth is, it could be anything. The idea is he went to the mikvah by day, but still requires what? Herav Shemesh, nightfall. Nightfall. So I will say, you learned from here that a person who is a Tvulyom is fit to go ahead and be the sprinkler, right? Be the sprinkler for the Parmadun. I will say, now remember again, this references us back to the beginning of Masech Because if you remember again, what's one of the first things we learned in Masech HaSumah? I will say, remember again, we learned about this, that what, remember again, what would they do for the guy, for the coin, who was going to go, run the process of Paraduma? Remember again, what would they do with him? Remember? They would purposely be metame him. Remember this? This is incredible. They would purposely be metame him. Why? In order to go ahead and show the tztukim that they were wrong. Because the tztukim felt that a tvul yom is not permitted to engage in the process of Paraduma. So, so in the basement of this, they would do something dramatically enigmatic. They would take the coin who was ready to go to the paraduma. They would put a sheretz in his hand. Hey, hold this, right? He would hold the dead sheretz. He'd become tame. They'd immerse him. And then when he had the status of a tzvul yom, then and only then 
would he do the process of paraduma? Abbas, remember again, what was the countermeasure to ensure the sanctity of the paraduma process that people shouldn't treat it lightly? Kli galalim. Remember again, what type of utensils did they use for paraduma? Only utensils made of manure, right? Utensils that were not mekabal tumor. Stone utensils that were not mekabal tumor. That was the countermeasure, right? Because they were concerned that if halacha lamaisa, a tvul yom, did the process of paraduma, people might begin to take the process lightly. So in order to counteract that, they were machmir in other areas. In any event, here's the drasha for it. The fact that it says the person who is tahar will go ahead and do the sprinkling indicates to us that the person who's doing the sprinkling must possess some level of tumah. If we're, when I say must, it doesn't have to, but it's saying the fact that we're calling him tahar indicates that he possesses some level of tumah, teaches us that even a tvulyom is fit to go out and do a parandu. But I just want to point out, you know, it's hard to kind of keep track, like what's halacha lamaisa in the suya, because so much machlokas, but I will tell you, this piece is halacha lamaisa, that a tvul yom, that a tvul yom is kashef avaradum. And I also remember again, we saw in the beginning of the Masechta, that Ramam Paskins, in fact, they dafka wormetame the Kohen, who went ahead and did the process of paradum to make him into a tvul yom, in order to hold simi liban shal tzukim. So pretty dramatic. Amrabasi. I'm sorry. When Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish would study the sugya of Paraduma, they were really unable to kind of bring out conclusions. And I will say, now, now what does this mean? Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish were, were, were learning through the sugya of Paraduma, and their goal was to kind of like extract principles. What are some guiding light rules that would help us darshan the entire section? And as we've just seen, because we've just analyzed the entire section of Paraduma, what don't you really have by Paraduma? Guiding light rules, right? Because remember, again, I'll say the whole, the whole, the way, part, again, this is what's exciting about, about this section is the whole, the whole section, the whole parsha is exclusions, inclusions, and everything seems to shift one pasuk to another. Which was I was thinking about. Oh, let's finish this. So the Gemara says, "Sam Rabasi ki hava bar Rabbi Yochanan Yishlakish apara." When Rabbi Yochanan Yishlakish darshan in the section apara aduma, lo maskimine, they were unable to really extract guiding light principles, rules from it. Ella kemai demasik talo mi beikarcha. They were unable to extract anything from it any more than a fox is able to extract from a plowed field. So I, I think that, that it used to mean a lot more during the Gemara, that expression, right? So, so that's the idea. The idea is that once the field has been plowed, so whatever, again, whatever food the fox would have gotten from the field, whatever insects or anything else, are no longer there. So just like when a fox goes through a plowed field, there's very little to eat. Right? So, so to Rabbi Yochanan, when they went through the part, section of Para Aduma, generally I both say the way we like to work in Halakh is we take a section, we like to create rules and principles, and based on those rules and principles, we go ahead and we dash in the entire section. They tried to do that with Para Aduma, and as you've seen, although we beautifully and successfully dash in each section, the rules, the, there aren't really rules that allow you to dash in the entire piece. Each Pasuk is kind of darshaned on its own. Like the fox that's trying to go ahead and go through a plowed field. Look at Rashi for just a moment. 
Like a fox is able to drag up or kick up with its foot from a plowed field, the only thing a fox is able to kick up from a plowed field is dirt. Doesn't get anything else. So we're unable to go ahead and really extract pencils. Which I will say, I think if you think about it, it actually, why did the Shalom design it this way? Because remember again, what's Paraduma? What's Paraduma? Paraduma is the paradigmatic chok. Right? Remember again, right? Shalom Alech says, Amarti lechachma achosiat. Right? Even Shalom Alech, the great wise Shalom Alech said, I'm so wise, yet Paraduma I don't understand. So you see that not only are the reasoning of the mitzvahs far away, but even the way the entire parsha itself is structured is dramatically different than the rest of the Torah. So it's really quite amazing. Ella obviously Gemar says as follows. Ella Amri, so rather the only thing they could say about the section of Paraduma was Mashma Motsimiyat Mashma Umashma Mamela. That some of the Psukim in Paraduma, some Psukim come to exclude that which was said in the Pasuk before, and some of the Psukim are just to be understood as they are explicitly stated. Incredible. Tani Tanakamit Rabbi Yochanan. So we'll say, here we go. Kalashchitos Ksheros Bezar Chutz Mishal Para. So we'll say, Tanak quoted before Rabbi Yochanan in general. All Shchitos, Tanak the Beis Amikdosh, are fit to go ahead and be done by an ancoin, except Paradum. I will say, this was like the position of Rav in yesterday's Gemara. Amra Le Rabbi Yochanan. So we'll say, so here, so here the Gemara is saying, so this Tanak taught in front of Rabbi Yochanan. In general, you cannot, Azar cannot Shechta Paradum. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said to him, Puk Tani Libra, get that out of the base measures, right? In other words, get out of here, right? Don't, don't teach that here. Don't teach that here, that is incorrect. Lomatsinu Shechita Bizarpsu. Rabbi Yochanan felt, we never find a Shechita that is invalid when done by a Zar, by a coin, even Paraduma. Even Paraduma will be fit if done by a coin. For Rabbi Yochanan, Lomi Bari Letana Delotzayis, Elafilu Rabbi Lotzayis, so also in Rabbi Yochanan, not only did he not pay attention to the Tana, who did not pass him like this, but Rabbi Yochanan didn't even pay attention to the teaching of his own Rabbi. Why? Don't Rabbi Yochanan be Shabbat Shemini Because Rabbi Yochanan called him Rabbi Shemini Yotzadak, his Rabbi. Shkitas para bizar psula. The Shkita, right? Shkita of the paraduma cannot be done by a non Kohen. Va'ani Omer, but Rabbi Yochanan said, I hold Kshera. It is kosher. Why? Because Lomasinu Shechita Shepsulu Bzar. Because Rabbi Yochanan was of the opinion that Halacha Lamaisa, Halacha Lamaisa, a Halacha Lamaisa, a a the Shechita of the Paraduma can be done by a non Kohen as well. So we'll say this whole discussion is subject to machlokias. I have to look up the Raman. I don't remember the Raman Paskins with this, but I have to look up the Raman. But again, this notion. No, I'm sorry. We, I'm sorry, we do. I have it underlined over here, actually. We pass in that halacha lamaisa, like Shmuel, namely, that shchita is, um, right, that shchita paraduma bizarre is psula. That's how we pass in. So ultimately, again, we pass in that the coin gadol, or the coin, must go ahead and shechta paraduma, that whereas by other shchitos, by, right, by all other shchitos, we'll say even on Yom Kippur, where halacha lamaisa, again, everything has to be done by the coin gadol. Technically speaking, shechita of the par is shechita of paro, shechita of the par of the coin gadol is kshira bazar. But however, shechita of the para aduma must be done by the coin. That's yeah. That's the Raman Paskins over here. This is found in Parak Aleph Hilchos para aduma halacha yud Aleph. Shechita para shechitas para bazar psula. Can't check the para aduma 
by a non-coin or with a non-coin. Good. Shabbos say that concludes that sugya paraduma. Um, again, th- there's there's a lot more. Again, there there are many other open pieces in the paraduma sugya, but not a sugya here in Yuma. Mirat Hashem will come back to it. Balo itzal paroshnia. Both say remember again. Now back to the Mishnah. Back to the Mishnah. So remember again, the Mishnah said just quote you the rest of the Mishnah. So the Mishnah now says that the coin gogo comes back to his pal, to his to his bull offering. Right? And remember again, at this point in time, he is going ahead and um, I'm sorry, let me just find the Mishnah. Okay. Fine. So the Mishnah says, Bala is a Most remember again now he's coming to the par. So the Gemara says, Maishna Bividui Rishon. So why is it that the first Vidui he says, the Lo Amar Ubne Ar Amkidoshacha, Umaishna Bividui Sheni the Amar Ubne Ar Amkidoshacha. So we'll say, the Gemara asks an interesting Shiloh. By the first Vidui, by the first Vidui, so Aaron says, So right, Ana Hashem Chatasia Visi Pashati, or we saw the Machlokas. Right in terms of the order, chatasi avisi upashati. Right al amcha beis yisrael, but he doesn't say ubnei aron am kiddoshecha. The first vidui, the first confession, does not include the kohanim, but the second confession does include the kohanim. So asks the gemara, why is that? Why is the first confession doesn't include the kohanim? Second confession does. We both say this is so incredibly profound. So the gemara says, tandeber bishmal. Because this is the right halacha. Why? Literally translated, it is better for the innocent one to come and be mechaper on the guilty one and not for the guilty one to be mechaper on the guilty one. What does Ibn Abel say? Before the first vidui, the coin Godel himself has not yet done any vidui, right? The first vidui that he does on the par is the first vidui that the coin Godel himself is doing. So listen to this. By the first vidui, the Kohen Gadol himself has not done tshuva. So therefore, again, he's asking general kapara. By the second vidui, by the second vidui, ultimately, again, he's able to ask for his fellow Kohanim. Why? Because he's done already the first vidui. So the Gemara suggests like this. The first vidui, which is for the Kohen Gadol himself, so it's a more generic vidui. Right? After the Kohen Gadol does the first vidui, then he's done shuva. By the time it comes to the second vidui, he can then ask for a kapara for his fellow Kohanim. By the comes essentially with the Gemara saying about say something incredibly amazing. By the time he comes to the second vidui, he is already about shuva. So because he's already about shuva, therefore he can ask for a kapara on his fellow Kohanim. Take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Midas hadin osenes kilomar kach yafelomar shaacheshes vada alatzmo. After the coin Godel has done the first video for himself, chatosi avisi pashati. I've done video for myself for the first video. The coin Godel says, then vie zakai. Then I will be innocent. Then roi lechaper alachirim. Then in the second video, he can go ahead and ask for kapara about bnei Aaron. So I will say, I want to, what's incredible about this? I will say, what's incredible about this? According to the Gemara, how do you perform complete Shuvah and Yom Kippur? Vidui. Hey, I just want to point out, the only thing that's changed between the first Vidui and the second Vidui is that the Kohen has said Vidui. And somehow the Gemara is suggesting that Halacha he is Zakai. Once you go ahead and you do Vidui, 
you are innocent. You are innocent. So you hear what's happening over here? The Gemara is suggesting the Kohen Gadol cannot ask for Kapara on his fellow Kohanim by the first Vidui because the Kohen Gadol himself has not yet done Tshuva. Only after the first Vidui is done, now the Kohen Gadol is about Tshuva. Now that he's about Tshuva, he can go ahead and ask for Kapara on his fellow Kohanim. Baal Tshuva, all he did was say Vidui. All he did was say Vidui. Elamai, you see from the schema the power of Vidui. The power of sincere confession. That's when a person says, because also remember again, Vidui is not just confession. Remember again, what is complete Vidui? Chatasi Ana Hashem. Chatasi Lashon Adiramam. Parak Aleph Halacha Aleph. In Hilchot Shuva. Ana Hashem. Chatasi Avisi Pashati. Vaasisi Kach Vekach. That's tshuva. That's tshuva. Tshuva, complete video, which says, I acknowledge what I've done. I'm embarrassed about what I've done. I realize that I did not get from sin what I thought I would get from sin. And I'm never going to do this again. We'll say that is the power of sincere vidui. Now, what I do want to point out, interestingly enough, is that Rama makes a distinction between a bal tshuva and a bal tshuva gimura. Right? Remember again, what's this in the bal tshuva and a bal tshuva gimura? Bal tshuva, you could become after sincere vidui. After sincere vidui, you are a bal tshuva. Bal tshuva gimura is only when, according to the Rama, at least, when you're tested again. Right? When you're placed in the same exact situation that I sinned in the first time, but this time I don't sin, that's a Baal Tshuva Gimura. That's complete. But I both say, you see it from here, it, it's, it's really fascinating. Because if you think about it again, what have you done after you said Vidui? What have you done? Right? Not really anything all that much, right? Except, except in articulation. But I both say, you see from here, you see from here, some incredibly profound the incredible power of personalistic change. See, people often think that change is behavioral. And that's true. Ultimately, change must manifest itself behaviorally. But the truth is, the most profound change occurs cognitively, occurs emotionally. That the moment that a person says, I want to be someone different, and I acknowledge that what I've done was wrong. And I acknowledge the shortcomings in my lifestyle and in my behaviors. And I promise myself and I promise my God that I am going to be someone different in that moment. Even though nothing behaviorally has changed in my life, I become someone different. They both say, how does the coin Gadol become a tzaddik on Yom Kippur? Vidui. Vidui. That's how, well, hopefully he's a tzaddik going into Yom Kippur. Right? But Lamaisa, again, he becomes a tzaddik on Yom Kippur, right? The first vidui, the first vidui, he cannot be mechamper on his fellow Kohanim because he's not on the level. He hasn't done shuva yet. After the first vidui, he's done shuva. Really, what did you do? What did you do? You experienced an emotionally, cognitively cathartic change. You've made yourself, Kohen Gadol, you've made yourself into a fundamentally different person. Not behaviorally. Maybe your behaviors are all the same. But Lamaisi, emotionally, cognitively, I am now someone different. The power of personalistic change. Behaviors are important, 
But Lamaisi, you can't really change your behaviors other than Yom Kippur, right? But you could, what you can is you could change your gestalt. You could change your essence. You could change who you are through your video. It's incredible. Says the Mishnah. Shachtu v'kibam mezrah. So we'll say we go back there now with the Avodah of Yom Kippur. Shachtu v'kibam mezrah So we'll say now you shech the par. Now you shech the par. And remember again, we're going to go ahead and do Kabbalah, Kabbalah in a utensil. We're going to be Makabal the dam in a Mizrak. Mizrak means a bowl. The no stolen Mishuma Mare. So we'll say now you're going to go ahead. So we'll say, so now we go ahead and we give the blood to a stirrer. Right? There was a, there was a guy, there was a coin whose job it was to stir the blood to make sure that it would not congeal. Because remember, again, as we're going to see, there's a little bit of time between the Kabbalah and the Zrika. If you don't stir the blood, it congeals. And once it congeals, obviously you can't use it for Zrika. So what's Allah? Let me show Memaris. Memaris po. Al harobet haravi'i shebehechal. Kedesh lo yikrosh. So we'll say, we're going to see that Amir Tzashem, they go ahead and the stir would stand on the Rovat Haravi'i. Now, both say we're going to see what that means. The Rovat Haravi'i means the fourth step. We'll discuss exactly what it actually it really means, the fourth row of stones. We'll discuss where this four, fourth row is in the Gemara. Now, we'll say, now, here's what's interesting. Heichal, whenever you see that word, what does Heichal literally mean? What does Heichal literally mean? The base Hamikdash structure itself. Remember again, when we speak about the base Hamikdash, we refer to the structure and the compound. Heichal usually refers to the building, right? The building has two parts, the Ulam and the Heichal, right? The Ulam is the large rectangular antechamber, and then the Heichal is the large rectangular structure, right? They meet each other, the Heichal and the Ulam meet each other at a right angle. They're perpendicular to each other. So we're gonna have, we're gonna have our, our, our large diagram by tomorrow. Right? Good. 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 Well, that was just a hint. Well, let's say so again. So the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, we'll see where that fourth step is. So the Gemara says, Natal Machta. So what happens? Natal Machta. So we'll say, so now again, so just see so what's happening. Kohen just shechted the par. They did the Kabbalah. They received the blood in a utensil. The guy, the, now another Kohen, another Kohen is going to go ahead and stand on the Rovat Haravi. The fourth row of stones, we'll discuss in the Gemara where that is, the fourth row of stones, and he is stirring. Kohen Gadol now continues his process. What does the Kohen Gadol do? Next step, he takes a shovel, a machta. Now we'll say, shovel is really, it's, a, it's not like a shovel like you're thinking about it. It's a much shmo, smaller, like, handheld shovel. He goes up to the Mizbeach. And what? Upana gichalem ve'elach ve'elach. And I both say, remember again, he's going to take coals for the Ketoros. A little review. Where do you take coals from the Ketoros from? Right? Marocha Kitano. The second smaller pyre, right? The larger pyre was used for animal sacrifice. The second smaller pyre was used for to create coals for the Ketoros. So the Kohen Godel now is going up the Mizbeach. And what does he do? He goes ahead, and I will say, remember, so what he does is he goes into the pyre, but he doesn't take the coals from the top of the pyre. Instead, what he does is he kind of separates the pyre a little bit in each direction. He wants to take coals from the middle of the pyre. He wants to take kind of like the hottest smoldering coals from the middle of the pyre. And now he comes down from the Mizbeach. 
and he places the pan with the coals on the Rovat Haravi, once again on the fourth row of stones in the Azara, in the courtyard. Again, we'll see where he places it down. Each and every day, now, generally, every day for the Kitorah service, the Kohen would go up with a shovel that held four kav, and he would pour the four kav shovel into a smaller shovel that would hold three kav. Now, the idea of Bosa is you need to have three kav, three kaven of coals. This way, if you go up with a if you go up with a shovel that holds four kaven, and you pour it into a shovel that holds Three kavin, you definitely will what? Will walk away with three kavin of coals. The hayom chote b'shloshes kavin. Today, he went up with a shovel that held three kavin. And the idea behind that was, you're going to see the theme over here is, we try to minimize the exertion of the coin goggle. So certain things that we did each and every day that had more steps, we eliminate the extra steps on Yom Kippur. And the coin goggle would go in with the same steps, with the same shovel, sorry. So the shovel that he would go to take out the coals, would be the shovel ultimately again that he would take right that he would go into the into the Kodesh Hakadoshim with. Rabbi Yossi Yomer bechal yom chose b'shal saa u'ma'arav b'sol shloshes kabin v'yom chose b'shloshes kabin u'ba'yim achnas. Rabbi Yossi disagrees. He says every day the Kohen Gadol would use a shovel that actually held a saa and he would pour it in into a smaller shovel that held three kabin. But today he goes ahead and just takes a shovel of three kavanas. Well, so everyone has agreed that on Yom Kippur, you're, right, the coin gold is just from the beginning using the shovel of three kavanas, and that ultimately is what he's taking out the coals with, and that is what he is using to take into the Kodesh Hakadoshim as well. Bye, Machlis. We'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up, or stop, we're kind of in the middle of the Mishnah, we'll pick up a mirror session with this tomorrow. Okay, that's how we're